Welcome to episode one with lifestyle and editorial photographer Luke Gotenleaf, aka Victor of Valencia. Welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince McClinton, creative entrepreneur and founder of Art of Visuals. And each week we bring you inspiring people and messages to help you unlock your creativity, launch your business, travel the world, and create the life of your dreams. Thank you for spending time with me. Now let the good times begin. Luke is a Denver-based editorial and lifestyle photographer. Luke is also one of the Art of Visuals team photographers. He's a huge inspiration to the community. Such an inspiring, awesome human being. I'm so excited to have you on as our first guest. Luke, welcome to the show. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to talk to you, Prince. Absolutely. How you been, man? I haven't seen you since you were, what, you were in Boise a couple months ago for Tree Fort? Yeah, I was there with um, my band, Bud Bronson, the Good Timers. We were playing Tree Fort Music Festival, and we've played that the last four years. So I think that was the last time I saw you guys. I think it was the first time I like officially met you guys, and then the last time I've seen you. It was the first and the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great times. It was really, it was really awesome meeting you and checking out your band. Uh, yeah, most of you guys probably don't know that Luke is a musician. And uh, so I guess we just gave that spoiler away, but we will get to that <laughs> later. Um, so, dude, let's start off with, dude, let us know where you're from, man. Yeah, man. Um, well, I reside in Denver right now, but I grew up in the mountains here in a town called Carbondale, which is about 30 miles down the river from Aspen. So it sits in the middle of the Rockies. Um, it's about three hours west of Denver. Beautiful, small little mountain town, a bunch of ranch lands around there and um, yeah, but I went to college at Fort Lewis in Durango, Colorado, which is in the southern end of the state and lived in Denver for about six years or so. That's where I'm at now. Right on. So how did you, uh, most of you guys are obviously where, uh, Luke on Instagram goes by Victor of Valencia. And before we get into talking about your career in photography and all that stuff, uh, why don't you let the community know a little bit about where the name came from? Uh, yeah, it's so funny how it's happened, but um, Victor is actually my middle name, named after my grandfather. And for the longest time when I was growing up, I hated my middle name. I thought it was stupid, as any kid would think a name like that would be. But I've, I've since embraced it, and um, Valencia was just kind of, to me, this like sexy, mysterious name that was actually a really cool suburb area of Los Angeles near where my Nana lived when I was growing up. Um, but it just kind of rolled off the tongue nice. And I thought it was kind of a goofy name when I started my account. But since then, it's kind of turned into the brand Victor of Valencia. And that's kind of what I go by as far as business. But um, it's funny, a lot of people are like, hey, Victor, they, they always think my name is Victor. So sometimes I roll with it. Sometimes I correct people, but it's more funny to me than anything. So I just go with it usually. Dude, it's it's interesting. So like with Instagram and uh, I guess, I mean, when did you get on Instagram? I think I got on three years ago or something. I don't know the exact date. Um, I remember thinking that Instagram was silly. I, I, I remember telling friends, I'll never get on Instagram. I, I think it's weird and I don't know. I, it was kind of like a rebellious thing not to be on it for me. But <laughs> I started just posting random kind of dumb photos that I thought were funny. And then um, it just 
kind of took off from there. And I, it just all kind of made sense to me without me being fully aware of why it made sense. So, Gotcha. Yeah, I guess the reason I was asking, because like, I always find like Instagram handles really interesting uh, because they kind of turn into who, like depending on what you do, like your handle kind of becomes like who you are, like like how people totally. know you as Victor. Uh, <laughs> like people like just don't know, they don't know names, so they just call you by your handle. And like, I think some people have like thought that through beforehand. And then there's other people like myself that I just didn't. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's a username, you know. Like, I'm just gonna yeah. Exactly. It's like your first. It's like your first like AOL name in like middle school or high school or something. You know, just this silly name. But yeah, it's funny how things stick, and it's funny how, um, you know, you have this kind of persona or this alter ego or something like that. It's kind of fun. <laughs> well, at least you picked a good one. And thanks, man. It, <laughs> it it's, it's it's working so far. <laughs> Right on, man. So, uh, yeah, t- I guess tell us a little bit about your background in photography. Like, how did you how did you get started in photography? Um, well, my mom always had a camera when I was growing up. I think she probably has like a bazillion shoe boxes full of photos of me. I mean, moms just do that. It's kind of funny, but I always grew up with a camera around. Um, that makes sense. Tri- you look like yeah. you'd be a cute kid. You were probably right. I- Am I that right? Was, you just look like someone who's probably a cute baby. I was a really cute baby. <laughs> I had a I had a huge head of curly hair. <laughs> Apparently, according to my mom, it always stopped the ladies in the supermarket. They'd always comment on my hair or something like that. But <laughs> no, man. But she always had a camera around. Um, all these trips that I went on when I was a kid and middle school to high school. You know, before the digital age was, you know, you get those disposable cameras at the supermarket and. I just always had kind of this fixation with the art and um, always loved capturing photos of my friends and adventures and things like that. But I got my first DSLR in college. So that was back in 2007 or 2006 or something like that. And um, I always just shot kind of just for fun. And my major in college was actually environmental studies um, I was super passionate about that in school. So I worked in solar in the solar industry for a few years out of school. And literally though, one day, man, I just realized that that path wasn't for me. I just, it didn't, didn't get me going, didn't get me up in the morning. Um, and one day I just quit my job and I had, had a couple side gigs with photography. So there was definitely this kind of knowing that I could make some money doing it, but I didn't have the information to know kind of what the potential of photography would be, but just one of those moments where you realize that you should be doing something else and something that you love. So I just decided to kind of get over my fear of the unknown and how things were going to shape up and work out and just went for it. Absolutely. That's such an interesting topic. Um, So many people find themselves in situations, working jobs that, uh, they're miserable and that they just do not enjoy whatsoever. So, I mean, paint the picture for, for, for our listeners, as far as like, what did that look like? That transition from, you know, working in, in solar, uh, to, to taking that leap of faith and deciding to go into, you know, photography full time and, and, and following your passion for art and creating. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy to get stuck in something. It's easy to, feel the pressure from outside sources, whether that's 
parents or friends or, you know, culture, society, whatever you name it. Um, it's easy to kind of get stuck in something and also, you know, being comfortable. It's like if you're comfortable in a relationship and you're afraid to get out of it because you don't want to feel uncomfortable, the same applies to the workspace and all these other aspects of life. So I think that for most of us, it's easy to just kind of, you know, for better or for worse, stay in this kind of perpetual eddy, if you call it. Um, but I just knew that that wasn't going to make me happy and it wasn't going to do anything for me. Just kind of being in this state of, um, not that I was unhappy, but I just wasn't fulfilled. So, um, my parents have always been super supportive and they've always kind of supported my, um, my art throughout the years and my creative endeavors. And, um, I've been a musician since I was 12. My dad was a musician. My mom weaved and sewed and gardened. So they're both, they're both like, you know, ex hippies and super cool, but they were really supportive in that, that transition in kind of saying, I think you should do this. I think that you'll find more fulfillment in that. And, um, instead of saying, what are you doing? What are you wasting your life pursuing art? You know, all of that kind of stuff that you hear about. So I'm definitely grateful to have had that support system. Um, it definitely gave me a jolt, but yeah, I mean, I'm a full-time photographer now, so I guess it was a good decision at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and that, dude, that's so beautiful that your family supported you, uh, through that because it's really hit or miss, you know, uh, really a lot is, of times yeah. families, I feel like, you know, they don't support their children in, in, in the arts, uh, out of fear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? There's so many different, you know, family dynamics and situations that you're brought up in and that you're raised in. So I'm definitely grateful for the situation that I had of, having parents that, you know, were artists themselves in ways. So I think that they could relate to that, um, that kind of endeavor. So yeah, it, it worked out and I'm really happy. I made that decision. It's really hard to know what the right decision is in any moment in life, but you just kind of have to take the one that feels the best and pursue it and learn from it, grow from it and ride the wave of glory. Dude. So what, what actions like if you were to break down your transition into steps, you know, what steps did you take to go from working a job to where you are now? You know, did you move in with your parents and start saving up money and watching YouTube tutorials or like, you know, what, what did that look like? Right, what were right, those right. steps? Well, yeah, I mean, I had no idea what the business side of photography was. I had, I can't remember what exact shoots I had, but I'd had a couple paid gigs you know, small paying gigs. And I was actually what are you finding those Craigslist. Like how are you even getting, the I think gigs? I, I think I was doing it through Instagram. I think I, this is shortly after I had started my Instagram and primarily when I first started photography, um, or like on Instagram, if you could, uh, I was doing a lot of landscape stuff. You know, I grew up in Colorado, so I loved hiking and all that. Mm -hmm. So most of what I was putting up was kind of adventure stuff, landscape stuff. And I had a really good friend, her name is Amber Wilson. She goes by I Amber on Instagram. She's awesome. But she was working. She still works for free people, but she was working more 
locally at the Big Free People store here in Denver. And her and I just kind of hit it off as friends and um, creatives. And so she was a, you know, a main muse kind of there in the beginning, a big inspiration for me. So we would do a bunch of shoots just for fun. Um, she'd pull clothes from the store and then we'd go up in the mountains and photograph it. Then, uh, the free people store would put up the work and I don't know, it just kind of snowballed from there and, um, people started to see the stuff and I began to enjoy portraiture. I didn't really have a passion for portraiture in the beginning, but you know, I just, I had more fun doing that and I loved it more and it, was the only thing I could think about that in music and outside of, you know, the job that I had, which was basically working in the sales or marketing for solar. And that just wasn't me just didn't feel me. So it felt like the right decision. It was a little scary because, you know, I didn't have a ton of savings. There was some savings, but it just was that leap of faith, you know, just trusting that you fall on your feet. And, um, I don't recall exactly what, I said to myself or how I convinced myself to do it, but I just did it. I was just tired of, I was tired of thinking it and I wanted to do something about it. So I just made a decision one day. And it's that simple, huh? I guess, man. I don't know. It's, I think for, I mean, for some people it really is like, I mean, yeah. some people it's just one day I woke up and I made a decision to, you know, to go after it. And I've been doing yeah, it ever I mean, since. I was incredibly driven. I still am driven. I think that when I was learning to play guitar at an early age, that's all I wanted to be doing. So I've just always had that kind of personality trait of getting after it and not giving up until I'm satisfied. So I think that that helped me as well. Cause you know, when your back's up against the wall, you have one choice and it's to, or you have two choices. It's to back down or push forward. And I just, I didn't know any other way to survive except to push forward. So sometimes you need to, you know, experience being at a big low in your life to, you know, push forward. And I think that that was a moment for me. It, it was a way to force myself to make something happen. Right. And it sounds like for you, it, it it's more or less a mindset because even back there, you said there's only one thing, and then you you kind of took a step backwards and said two things, um, which so for true. most for most people, <laughs> yes, there are two things. But for you, it sounded like no, there was no option. Failing wasn't an option. The only option was like, you know, I'm backed and I'm gonna fight and I'm gonna make this thing go. Period. Yeah, yeah, it's that primal like fight or flight mode. You know, it's you either flee or you, you know, fight for your right. <laughs> so I, <laughs> that's what I did, man. Push forward, and it's been an awesome journey, and it's it's always changing, even today. And but there's always surprises around the corner, and it's been it's been really great so far. I'm really blessed for it. Absolutely. So you guys heard that? Fight for your right to photograph. <laughs> Insert <right>. Beastie Boys. <laughs> um, yeah, th- yeah. This is where you cue the song. Yeah. <laughs> what's one piece of advice you would give uh, yourself, you know, at say 18 years old, you decide you want to get into photography. You're not loving your job. Um, You know, 
what would you, what advice would you give yourself at that point? Oh man, it's tough. I mean, it's hard at an early age because you're still figuring out so many aspects of life and who you are, and, you know, getting rid of all your insecurities. And I mean, you know, we still have them as adults, but it's just, there's so much going on in your head at that age. And on top of that, you have all this pressure from whether it's your parents or society or whatever to, to do what, you know, they think you should be doing. But man, I just, there's so many people I talk to that go to school and study something and then they get out of school and they're not happy in their job. And then they end up doing something else. I mean, I would say the majority of people always end up doing something else. I, I praise the people that go to school and know what they're going to do right away. And they're just kicking ass at it in life. But for me, that, that wasn't the case. And for a lot of people, that's not the case. So I'm just, I know that from experience as cliche as it sounds, but really, man, you just gotta, you just gotta do what you love and do what gets you going and revved up. And I mean, there's no other way to live life in my mind than, you know, doing something that you feel is important to you. And I would say that if I had known that, I might have even taken some time and traveled before college or, you know, I mean, I, I understand the importance of college. I think education is important. I learned a lot of life skills, even just going to college, you know, learning to make friends, learning how to study, learning how to commit yourself to something, but just follow the passion. That's what I would say. Wise words from a wise man. <laughs> uh, so what a... So you take all these beautiful images. We see them. I mean, they're all over the internet. They're on YouTube. They're all like, you know, I've seen your photos on EDM songs and it's just like your picture of like, you know, a beautiful <laughs> that's girl. That's so funny. And just like some music playing. Dude, um, that's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, so funny. You know, do you ever, uh, do you ever print your work? And you if know, you do, why? Like, cause I feel like that's like a lost art right now. You know, it really is. And to be completely honest, I don't, I, I've always thought about it. I think I had one show where I printed some work. It was actually my hometown. There's this amazing restaurant called the village Smithy. It's like the staple breakfast spot. If you ever go through that town, go to it. But they, um, allow kind of local artists to put up their work time to time. And, um, I printed some work, I don't know, this is like four or five years ago. So most of my stuff was landscape stuff back then, but I printed some work, um, had it framed and had some work up. And that's really the last time I had printed work. Um, portraiture is interesting to me and it's different for me because I'm always kind of getting in my head. Why would somebody want a photo of, you know, this beautiful model in this beautiful place? I mean, can they really relate to this person? I think to me, I always feel like it's much easier to look at a photo and relate to, you know, a beautiful scene or horses or a barn or anything that kind of doesn't have a human in it. But so I've always thought about it. I mean, it's definitely on my mind. I think I'd like to find a way to creatively print and show my portrait work. Cause that's the majority of the work I do these days. So I think it is a lost art form. I mean, I love when my friends shoot film and get their work printed. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. So I need to, I've been meaning to apply that to my own life in in a way that makes sense for me. I feel the same way. So I don't, 
I think print's extremely important, and I think it's really important that as a collective we figure out a way to to make everyone realize how important it is, and and to bring that back for for many reasons. One, like there's just there's nothing like just holding an image in your hand, and yeah, for sure, and looking at it, and and second, I mean, realistically, your prints are are kind of the story of your life, right? Like after you're gone. Uh, like the stuff on the internet is, I mean, there's so much stuff, things get lost, companies go out of business. There's just tons of, of reasons why your art will disappear from, from the interwebs. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. With print, you know, having a physical print, you know, your great, great grandchildren can go through your, your photo books and be like, wow, you know, grandpa Luke was the man. Like he lived a really <laughs> cool life. Like look at all these images that he took. Like, Um, Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's the same thing, you know, when you have those, those little prints, you know, from those little cameras back in the day that, you know, your parents took and I still have a little vanilla envelope, you know, of images from even back when my parents were in their 20s and 30s. And I think it's a special thing. It's, there's something to be said about physically feeling a piece of paper that has an image on it, you know, it adds a different element. So, yeah, I mean, even just talking to you right now, I'm inspired to think about how to maybe put a book together, you know, print some images and kind of keep a collection together. I think that would be really awesome. Yeah, dude, maybe you could even tie, like, it'd be cool to just do, like, tie in your music and some prints, your art, and just, like, make it all just work together. I, li- I like that. You know? I like that. We're going to have to sit down and talk about that. <laughs> dude, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um <laughs> So one last thing around photography, uh, yeah. you, dude, you've been on so many shoots and you've been all over the place, just got back from Europe. What's the craziest thing? Tell us the story of the craziest thing that's ever happened on one of these photo shoots. You don't have to use uh, names. You don't have to use right, names, right, right. but let us know. Man, that's so tough. I mean, I haven't had any like or funny. It could be funny yeah, yeah, yeah. or or scary. Whatever. Like, just give me something extreme. Well, <laughs> most of my shoots have been pretty tamed. I mean, pretty pretty normal. But I was actually just recently in LA about a month ago, and this the whole day had been super crazy. It just kind of felt like none of the components of life were matching up. It was almost more humorous to me at the end of the day than anything. You know, where you just feel like you keep getting up and you keep getting your ass kicked, almost like you're fighting a wave that just keeps throwing you down. But anyways, I was up in Malibu and I had done a shoot in the morning and, you know, a couple models and a makeup artist were coming up from L.A. And as most people in the world know, the L.A. traffic really is, you know, it it holds up to its name. And so the models show up. We're at Leo Carrillo State Beach, I believe. And the sunset's getting incredibly beautiful and we're on these cliffs and it's, I don't know how high above the ocean it was, maybe 40 feet or something like that. And I'm, I'm in a moment and I'm just vibing. I'm vibing with the model. We are in it. We are taking amazing photos. I'm feeling like, okay, this day is going to be salvaged. I'm feeling it. And we're getting some great shots. And all of a sudden this huge rogue wave just comes up splashes on the side of the cliff and just soaks everybody and these girls had had you know an hour and a half of hair and makeup done i mean they looked amazing 
<laughs> and I actually was able to turn my back, but I my camera got soaked. I was soaked in seawater. Both models were completely drenched. I mean, it was outrageous. I oh, felt so man. bad. It was some of the most epic <laughs> photos that we were getting, but it's just one of those situations that is so outrageous and out of control that you have to laugh at it and you have to just take it and roll with it. So in a way, looking back at some of the photos, it actually was cool because their hair was wet. So, you know, we slicked it back and we kind of just utilized what had happened. Um, and thankfully the models were in good spirits and all of us were too. So I think that's a challenge as a photographer, you know, when things don't happen yeah. the way you expect them to, you have to find a way to be okay with it and to make it work. And I think that that's the beauty of being an artist and, and you know, a leader is to, to find a way to use it to your advantage. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody was happy, but that was definitely a semi scary <laughs> moment and just so ridiculous. So right. and we had a big, we had a big crowd of people like just bystanders just watching the shoot uh, anyway. So I'm wow. sure for them, it was one of those. Oh, <laughs> it, it's kind of beautiful, right though? Because it was natural. Like that's just yeah. nature. And it's like, you can't, it's like, exactly. Hey guys, like this is supposed to be because mother nature decided that she was going to come soak you. And dude, I, I like the way you said that, like being a leader and like as a photographer, dude, like, they are looking to you for your guidance. So if you're, if you're freaking out, then everyone's going to freak out. Right. But if you're still like, if you're like, cool, no big deal. We're wet now. And this is what we're going to do. And you just stay calm and just keep exactly. it moving. Then I imagine everyone is like, all right, cool. Like this is what we're yeah. doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I know if that was two years ago, I, I don't know if I would have had the skills or the confidence to know what to do in that moment, but it seemed to have happened at the right time. And you know, we were able to be resilient through it. So. Now, that was definitely a memorable experience for sure. Now you have the James Bond demeanor to where you're just like, exactly, no matter the situation, you're just like, it's all good. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Everyone rogue, relax. <laughs> rogue wave. No worries. <laughs> Speaking of model, who has been the most fun and outgoing model to work with? Like who do you just, who just lights you up when you get a chance where you guys just kill it together? Who do you really enjoy working with? Oh man. Well, when I first got into the LA scene, um, before I had gone to LA, I was just kind of doing shoots here, but I knew that kind of the scene was there. The industry's there. I mean, there is an endless pool of inspiring models and artists there. So I knew that for my line of work, that was where I needed to be somewhat, you know, traveling to. But the first time I went to LA to do some work, I had contacted Newmark models and Jules. She's the owner of Newmark models and she's been, She's been a good friend the last couple of years and she – I kind of just cold, cold emailed her and said, hey, I'm going to be in LA. These are my dates. I had seen a model on Instagram. Her name is Natalie Boris. She goes by Natamals and her and I had booked a shoot. Um, today, it's like still one of my favorite shoots I've ever done. It's my first you know, professional model shoot but – Every time I come to LA, her and I get together and do a shoot, and she is just the most bubbly, outrageous, ridiculous human being I've ever met. She's super fun. Her and I just click and vibe really well creatively. Um, she's one of those people where you show up to her house, and she has all these crazy outfits and all these crazy ideas, and she's just laughing the whole time, and there's no pressure. There's no trying to impress each other or like create some epic shot. It's just 
we just get together and shoot and just run around. And then, I don't know. She's always been a really good friend through all that. And I owe a lot to her. I owe a lot to Jules and Newmark models, but she's definitely been one of my main muses throughout the years for sure. Dude, that's awesome. Shout out to Natalie and Jules and Newmark, man. That's yeah. awesome. You're blessed, bro. I, <laughs> they're awesome, man. I can't, <laughs> I couldn't have gotten to where I am now without a lot of people helping along the way. So I owe a lot to them. Absolutely. So let's jump into your music now. So what do you play? What's the name of your band? I mean, are you guys just a garage <laughs> band? Do you guys play shows? Do you travel? Like, give us the background. Yeah, well, you know, aside from photography, music is, is the second half of my heart. And I've, my, my dad was a professional musician for 30 years. He plays pedal steel and bass and he toured with John Denver in 1976 and 77. And my mom, she has a great voice. And I just, ever since I was a little baby running around in a diaper, I mean, my parents had these things called picking parties where they would get together and, you know, play porch tunes like, you know, folk music and country jams. And they would just sit in the living room and play for hours and all the kids would be running around and making a ruckus. But I've always grown up with music in the household. It was always important. My grandmother my nana who i mentioned earlier who lived in la she was a violinist a virtuoso violinist and she if you hear like psycho and all the old hitchcock films the virtual virtuoso violinist that's her her name is Eunice shapiro she was like a total badass but wow. so you know music's been in the family forever my parents started me on piano when i was six and i played piano for six years and then my mom got me my first Metallica record, and then it was just—it depends who you ask. Might have been downhill from there, might have been uphill from there, but <laughs> I was completely transfixed with guitar and wanted to shred like Kirk Hammett from Metallica and all these crazy '80s guys. And so I started uh, playing guitar when I was 12, and I've been a musician ever since then. I—I I don't really play piano anymore, but piano developed my ear, my inner ear, and. Um, so I owe a lot to that. But yeah, I've been a guitar player ever since uh, in Denver. Been in a band for, I think, four years, maybe five years. But it's called Bud Bronson and the Good Timers. And we play rock and roll music. I always like to call it uh, arena rock for dive bars. It's really fun. But yeah, we've done some <laughs> tours. We've toured the country. We've done a couple West Coast tours. We've been out east. Uh, we've played South by Southwest. Played like I said, Treefort Music Festival in Boise where I met you boys. And we've done uh, Tijuana to Vancouver circuit. We've played Tijuana a couple times. It's always crazy and nuts. But yeah, I mean, we I feel like we've established ourselves as a premier local band here in Denver. And all of us have our lives outside of the band. So to me, the band is very much a passion project for all of us. I know you're a metal guy, but what are your – give me like your top <laughs> – give me like your top three no, for bands. Sure. I've always I've always enjoyed country music, probably because I'm from Colorado and my dad was a country musician, so I've always loved that. My mom was big into jazz, and so I loved you know Ella Fitzgerald and all that, and Miles Davis, and love all the classic stuff like Crosby, Stills and Nash, and Eagles, pretty much anything, man. I'll listen to film scores, classical music, country, R and B, funk, all that stuff. 
rock and roll. Dude, you're dropping some knowledge. I don't even think most of these young <laughs> dudes. Seriously, I don't even think most of these young bucks are gonna even recognize anyone you just met. They, they might not, man. They might not. You guys should though, because you know all your music came from that. So go check them out. Everybody's influenced by somebody that came before them. So yeah. whether that's in music or photography, and that's cool, right? Like, I, I do. Sometimes people get really like uptight and upset about that when you try to say like, oh, you know, your music's like this or your art's like that. Like as if they feel like they have to be a hundred percent original which i just don't really believe that exists yeah i mean i don't either and i feel like a lot of people struggle with that especially younger photographers where they'll say something like i don't want anybody to be like me or like i don't want my work to look like somebody else's to look like you know copying somebody i mean that's just all head trash man it's to me it's impossible to to become your own artist without being inspired or influenced by artists that are either in your community or that came before you. I mean, as a guitar player, I could say that I have my own style right now, but I couldn't have come up with that style, you know, if I hadn't learned guitar riffs from, you know, Clapton or Hendrix or, you know, all these guys that came before me. So, you know, you have to learn from other people in order to create your own voice. And the same applies to photography. Absolutely. And I think you almost kind of have to, you have to go through life. Like sometimes it's like, dude, you're a great photographer, but you're just too young. You haven't experienced enough life to like really give your art the emotion. You haven't had your heart broken. You haven't gone through like extreme lows and highs and seen places and met people and experienced things that that realistically is what I feel gives your art uh, a style and a voice and something special. Um, and, and that just takes time. Yeah, you couldn't have said that any better. I mean, and your art kind of develops over time. It changes. Like I was a landscape guy for a long time. And I remember telling people I will never be a portrait photographer. And I don't know why I said that. I was just kind of young and naive and just silly. I think people get too stuck on identifying with one genre. I mean, I would call myself a portrait photographer, but that doesn't mean I can't you know, take my camera when I go camping with my friends and, you know, basically shoot lifestyle content. I mean, I love that stuff too. I think my, my paid work is in portraiture, but I think it's important to take inspiration from multiple genres. And that's the same with music too. I mean, to, to, to say, I only like this kind of music. I think it's kind of silly. I mean, I get it. Maybe there's a certain music that speaks to you more, but Outside of that, there's always other influences, and that's it's fine. It's fine to tell that to people, and it's fine to identify as, you know, a multicultured or multi-styled artist. I think that's great. Absolutely, and I think it's important to, like you said, uh, you know, you may not like certain pieces of someone's style or a certain type of music or genre, uh, but I think it is very important to be broad. And I think it's more important to focus on the good of everything, right? Yeah, exactly, man. Couldn't agree more. Um, so with the music, like, so how does music influence your art? Oh man, probably more so than I even give it credit for. I mean, when I edit, I'll always be listening to music so many times. I'll even, I have this epic playlist of film scores. I just love film scores. I don't know why when I watch a movie, you know, I'm paying attention to the screenplay, but I'm also paying attention to how the music 
kind of influences the screenplay. You know, it's like it's like a horror movie. If you turn off the sound, it's not as scary for some reason. Mm-hmm. But soon as you soon as you unmute that button and that music comes on, it kind of creates this whole other storytelling aspect. And like to me, that's what kind of brings the fear is that anticipation and you know the unease that the that the film score brings. So to me, that really influences photography. I mean, sometimes in my captions, I'll the caption is either correlated with the style of music or the specific artist or song or like a lyrical reference, but it's always kind of inspiring me to find different things within a photo. And I can have one photo and listen to three different songs. And each one of those songs makes me feel something different from the photo. So to me, the music is just as important as the visual aspect. And I think that they're so directly correlated and it's so important to kind of view them in different ways, you know, auditory and visually. So I love that about, you know, when I sit down to edit a photo to, you know, really feel how the song makes me feel. And it always inspires me to do something to the photo. I feel the same way, dude. Like I just listening to music and editing is like the greatest thing in the world. And it really is uh, for every emotion, dude, if I'm heartbroken and I'm sad, I just went through a breakup, dude, then I'm going to be sitting there listening <laughs> to some sad music. Yeah. Like, and you can see it in my photos. It's funny. It's like, yo, like you can just tell you're sad. <laughs> so you're like, damn, man, that guy must've experienced something crazy. Yeah, totally. But it's like, that's a beautiful thing about it. And you know, I love to look at a photo and, and say, oh man, what was that person thinking or feeling when they shot this or edited this photo? And it's so cool. It adds like a whole nother, you know, layer to the onion. It's amazing. So who's your favorite artist right now, man? Who who inspires you like now? Because I, I, I understand as you grow, like someone who inspired you in the beginning probably isn't as inspiring to you as today. You know what I mean? Like you might have oh, for sure. You know, things change. Yeah, I mean somebody who I always look at their work and it's not that like every single photo that they put out is, you know, like, Whoa, that's the best thing I've ever seen. But there's this guy, Mark Hayden. He's, he's based out of the UK and he's always been a big portrait guy for me. I've Mm -hmm. I've always loved the way he balances colors and stuff. But Matthew Hanel is another guy and he's a landscape guy. Um, So he's kind of in a different realm than I am, but the way he uses light, is really inspiring and he's been like a good friend and someone who's really humble and genuine. And I mean, he's like a, he's a mega guy on Instagram. Um, he has a huge account, but he has been probably among the big accounts. He's been one of the most humble and a good friend. So I think that friends inspire me and, you know, I don't know. I think it's so important. There's so many artists that are out there and, you know, we get so much, we get hit with so much content all the time, but those two names are people that I'll always go and check out their work and see what they're up to. Gotcha. Dude, those are both awesome photographers. So great. yeah, they are. Matthew and I actually sat down one time when he was in town and cause he was doing some portrait stuff and, um, we actually kind of showed each other some editing tricks, um, you know, from art, from each perspective. So I showed him some skin stuff, you know, skin cleanup and portrait work. And he showed me, um, some really cool stuff and, you know, editing landscapes. And it was really cool. You know, I apply some of those tricks to my work right now. And, um, I think that's 
awesome. You know, we're complete. We're in completely different realms yet. There's so much crossover. Yep. What else? uh, What about inspiration outside of art? Like who inspires you to just be, who inspires you to live? Like who inspires you to be the fearless Luke, go out, try things, travel, (laughs) conquer the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Who are those Um, people? Man, definitely my parents. Um, super good relationship with my parents. I always enjoy talking to them. They're both very wise people. So them and my friends. But I would say, man, the mountains are just so grounding to me. And whenever I'm up there or whenever I see them, it reminds me of more of who I am. And I actually recently did this shoot down in Buena Vista last week with this gal um, named Sarah Courtney. And we shot on her parents' ranch, and it was probably the most at home I've felt for a shoot in a long time. It definitely rejuvenated me, and it was super inspiring. So even just an environment like that Mm. can be just as impactful as a human. Dude, it's interesting you say that because there's a lot of artists that that do that. They when when they're when they're ready to create like serious art, they disappear. Like Kanye West is one of those guys (laughs) that you know he's been known to like go into like the peaks of mountains in Wyoming and like in the most remote places by himself and lock himself in a place for, you know, three weeks, four weeks on end, um, to create. So yeah, it seems like, and and I agree, like for me being out in nature, uh, is so rejuvenating and so inspiring. And so I environment is, can, can be just as inspiring for your art as a person or anything else. Yeah, definitely. It humbles you. It kind of reminds you that the world is much bigger than yourself and to get over yourself sometimes, you know, it's so easy to kind of like for us all to just kind of get in our heads. And I don't know, it's, it's good to be humbled and it's humility is good too. And it's, it's nice to feel like you're a small piece of the puzzle. And I feel like it kind of grounds you and brings you back. Couldn't agree more. And I think even outside of nature, the environment's just special depending on what you're creating. Like if you're if you're creating beauty, then you should be in a beautiful environment. If you want to create something chaotic, then you'll probably create something that's much more chaotic if you go and spend time in a very chaotic environment. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I think we're all directly, you know, um, inspired by the environment we're in. And yeah, it's so true, man. It's amazing. Just a product of the environment, right? Exactly. Dude. Yeah, totally. I got two questions from the community. Yeah, yeah. So cool. so the the at the tech creative wanted to ask, how do you stay inspired, especially when you are pushing the envelope with every single post that you make? <laughs> I love that guy, by the way. I just stayed with him. <laughs> I just stayed he with is him. Awesome. Yeah. I just stayed with him in London actually. He was super awesome and um, opened up his home for me, but dude, that's yeah, so I mean, rad. I hold on. With yeah, that yeah. said, with him opening up your home, dude, I've talked with Travis about. I'm like, dude, we should totally do like an AOV community, like Airbnb type deal. Like, I freaking. So it's just like idea. the community members around the world are just like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, if anyone wants to come visit me, like I got a three bedroom, you know, place, and like you guys are more than welcome to come through. Like, hit me up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a be- that's like a beautiful thing about. A platform like Instagram is, you know, especially if like, if you're an artist that's inspired by other people and is a good person, you know, you want to share that with somebody. And yeah, I mean, not that I was like skeptical of his hospitality at first, but I thought that it was so amazing that somebody I've never met 
would say, yeah, crash in my house in this international country that you've never been to. I mean, it was the coolest thing. And it definitely inspired me to do that for others too. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, that's rad. Shout out Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris is the man, but to get back to his question, I mean, man, I deal with this all the time. I think that, man, I find myself in creative ruts monthly and sometimes they last a long time and it's so easy to get caught up in that and to feel defeated and to feel like nothing you do is going well. And to think that all your work sucks. I mean, it's just like, we all deal with this as artists. It's the classic cliche, you know, artist block. And, um, but kind of getting back to what we talked about, you know, going into the mountains and something like that, or just doing something that makes you feel good. And whether that's doing something different than photography. I mean, when I'm having serious creative blocks with photography, I'll just walk away. I'll go play guitar. I will give, so much of my energy to the band and just kind of experience that outlet and vice versa. If I'm feeling like, you know, if we're in studio and, and you know, our ideas aren't meshing or something, or I'm not able to play what I want to play, I'll go home that night and I'll just forget about it. And I'll just edit photos for a few hours and just completely, you know, put my attention into something that feels better. Mm-hmm. So, but I think you have to be okay with, being in a creative rut because if everything you do you feel like is the coolest thing you've ever done then i don't know i think you lose perspective and i think that you know you're just going to get comfortable into what you're doing and you're never going to grow and we're such fickle creatures and i think it's okay to be in ruts and to know and find comfort in the fact that every single artist around you has is either in it or has been in that or will experience that. And to all young photographers, I mean, you will experience that, but be okay with it and know that, you know, it's not going to last forever. You'll find a way out of it Mm -hmm. and just be kind of, you might, my dad, he always says this quote to me. It's my favorite quote, but it's uh, the quickest way to get to where you want to be is to be at peace with where you're at. And I think that that really applies to life so beautifully because if you're constantly resisting, the situation you're in and even if that situation sucks you know what resists persists it's like a it's a you know a, a thing of physics i mean it's proven you know the more you focus on something you know the more you focus on these negative thoughts the more they're just going to perpetuate and stick around but if you can say hey i recognize that i'm in this rut it totally sucks but i'm just going to find a way to learn something from it and put my attention elsewhere and every single time you get out of it. So you just had to have to trust that you'll be all right. And yeah, so that's what I'm going to say to that. Dude, that's beautiful. And that, <laughs> and, and that was very spiritual. Like, you know, it, it, you know, it goes back to being present and the key to happiness is, you know, to stop resisting, like resistance causes so much stress and anxiety yeah, uh, for sure, man. And the reality is you just can't control everything and that's okay. And, and, and in life there's balance, right? There's the yin and the yang. So you need to have those times where, uh, you're not creatively inspired to be able to have the times when you're creatively inspired. Like there's no one can just be constantly inspired and constantly just creating beautiful work and never have that, that, that opposite, that downside, you know? Yeah. And, and it's honestly, necessary. It is necessary. And honestly, some of the best ideas and 
things happen when you're at your lowest low and you feel like nothing you do is right. So, you know, you have to look at the bright side of that too. You know, I'm sure all the famous inventors, all the famous theorists and, you know, philosophers, I mean, they all went through that and all the famous artists, everybody that's ever inspired you has been there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of remind yourself of that. Absolutely. Next question comes from at Jack Smith underscore picks. He asks, do you use Lightroom for all your post-processing? If so, processing. Did I, did I say processing? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of processing, I did say processing. Maybe, maybe that's like a weird Lightroom term or something. <laughs> <laughs> so do you use Lightroom for all your post-processing? Or, uh, and if you do, what are your go-to presets for editing those photos? Oh, man, that's a lot. Um it's constantly changing, but yeah, I mean, when I do a shoot, I'll always import into Lightroom and I'll do most of my culling through there. Culling, you know, is going through your photos and getting, getting rid of the bad ones. And, um, yeah, I'll always do my initial color toning in Lightroom, whether that's just from starting with scratch, no presets, whether that's using, you know, I have a few presets on the art of visuals website. Um, sometimes I'll use those. I've also been using, the Wolfpack by Tribe Photo Co. Um, and there's a couple other ones, the LXCs, the Ben Sasso presets. I mean, there's so many different awesome colors out there. So I never like to, I never want to feel like I'm, you know, I can only use one. Mm-hmm. So I think that you can use many different avenues to color tone your photos, um, you know, and still have this kind of cohesive look. So I'll do most of my color tone in Lightroom and I actually skin tones are my favorite thing to do and I find the most important in my work so I'll always throughout my editing process I'm always paying attention to skin tones because as you tweak colors you'll always have to balance it with something else and so I'll always start with you know paying attention to the skin tones making sure they're to my liking and then I'll usually throw it into Photoshop and if I need to do any skin cleanup I'll do it there and then I always have kind of these little kind of special things I do to my photos in Photoshop and things that I find, you know, give my work its, you know, finishing polish, I guess you could say. It's like when you polish the wood table at the end. Um, and then I'll import it back into Lightroom and um, I'll export it from there. So that's usually what I do. Dude. All right, Michelangelo. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, let's give us, give us, give us something that the kids can use. Give us a, give us, let's get Jack Smith underscore picks. Let's give him a tip. Give him something. Give him a, a, a inside Victor Valencia special editing tip that, that you do with your photos that will help out his portraits. Yeah, for sure. Well, well frequency separation is a technique uh, that a lot of portrait photographers use. And it's to, it's to, you know, you can definitely go overboard with frequency separation. So you have to kind of Hold keep on. yourself. What in is check. Free- dude? You're speaking so, French okay, yeah, to yeah. me. I'm yeah, over here like, sitting here like I'm on Mars. I'm like frequency separation. Is that some type of like splitting of liquids? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a weird chemistry term. No, it's a, <laughs> it's basically a technique in Photoshop that has multiple layers, but you're able to. Um, God, how do I how do I even describe this? God, I don't even know if I know how to describe this, but it basically separates tone with texture. 
So you're able to fix texture without messing with the tone. And on the other side, when you're only working with tone, you're blending the tones together, but it's not messing with the texture. So it's a really good way to do skin cleanup. There's a bazillion tutorials on YouTube about it. That's how I learned. I just watched like cool. hundreds of hundreds of tutorials. I mean, look up frequency separation. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there. That's how I've learned all my editing technique is trial and error and just learning on YouTube. I mean, it's anything you could ever imagine doing. Somebody has a tutorial on it on YouTube. It's kind of crazy, but that's what I do for a lot of my portrait work. And then a little kind of special thing I do is, um, I'll use levels in Photoshop and I'll turn to the RGB mode, which kind of, you can work with the reds and the blues and the greens independently. And I'll just kind of like tweak those a little bit and it adds some color to the shadows and to the highlights. So you can kind of mess around with that. Um, so you get, you know, the photo to your liking, but I'll always do that kind of in my final process. And, um, I always end up kind of bringing up the blues and then bringing in the reds and then I do split toning, which I don't even know what split toning is to be honest, but I just know the term and I'll add some nice turquoise in there too. So I don't know, man, it's just, there's a bazillion different things you can do to your photos, but look up frequency separation and try this levels thing. Okay, perfect. You guys heard that YouTube, no excuses for anything. I'm so tired of people telling me they don't know how to do things. Like it drives me insane. Like get on. It's so true. Like seriously, just Google it and watch a tutorial and you can seriously learn anything. Like anything, anything. man. You want to build a house. There's tutorials on that. You want to like fix a door jam. You can do that too. Anything. Exactly. So stop the excuses because no one cares. <laughs> Seriously, no one cares anymore because there's like it's available in abundance everywhere. And before that, when when Prince and I were growing up, our parents were just like figure it out, and we didn't even have tutorials. So no, dude, we had the books. Like I remember, no excuses. Like, dude, <laughs> I remember, I'd be so annoyed. Like look it up, and I'd have to open up this fat dictionary and like find the word. Like it took so much work, and yeah, that. or you have to like ride your scooter down to the library and like sort through a bazillion books to find this book that was probably written in the seventies, you know, and figure out how to do something. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a three minute YouTube video. And like, you're like, yeah, that cool. I know how to do that now. What's next? <laughs> dude, totally. So no excuses. Dude, absolutely. Well, dude, that was awesome. I mean, I'm trying to think like I could keep going, but if we kept going, dude, I could run this podcast. Like, I could probably talk to you for another hour, dude. Like, yeah, I know, man. I have so much that I could talk about, but well, I guess yeah, maybe we'll have a second installment at some time. Yeah, you know, with some more specific questions from the community. So, yes, we'll do a part two. Um, yeah, let's do that. So to wrap, I guess to wrap everything up, leave us with—I don't know—leave us with something inspires, inspiring, bro. <laughs> Preach, preach to us a little bit, man. Preach to the yeah. Leave us, leave us with a little philosophy, a little inspiration, motivation uh, to get out, do, and 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 create, man. Yeah, I mean, man, it's a beautiful thing to see your friends doing things they love, and to see people in the community doing what they love. And I'll tell you, it's all of us can relate. It can be hard at times, you know. You see somebody that's really successful at something, and 
you ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? Well, all that's doing is just adding that negativity into your life and, you know, putting yourself down. And we all do things differently. We all look at things differently. And as artists, it's important to have your own style and it's okay to learn from others. And I don't know, man, just get after it. Just don't worry about all that stuff because all it does is slow you down and excuses get you nowhere. And own your style, you know, own your way of doing things. Be cool with it. If you do things slower than somebody else, then so what? But in the end, you know, it's like, what do you want to teach your kids or your grandkids? You know, they're going to look at what you've done and, you know, what you've accomplished or, you know, the things that you're working on and the things you're passionate about. So it's important to always keep that in mind and just follow your heart, man. Do it. That's a wrap. Ladies and gentlemen, follow your heart. Luke, (laughs) dude, Luke, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for blessing all of us with your voice on our show. We appreciate you so much. That was so awesome. I had such a good time personally talking to you and i know everyone listening to this episode is going to be able to take so much away because you dropped so many nuggets along the way so (laughs) thank you thank you thank you thanks prince appreciate it man thank you for listening please share the art of visuals podcast with your friends and make sure to hit that subscribe button Sharing is caring. You can follow Art of Visuals on Instagram at Art of Visuals or sign up for the Art of Visuals newsletter on artofvisuals.com. Join us next episode for more, but until then, let's continue to visually inspire the world together. <laughs>